The Heart of Grief is a program by Certified Grief Recovery Specialists Lori Penner and Brian McGee. Brian and Lori are not professional counselors. They do not offer therapy. If you are experiencing a crisis, please reach out to your local emergency or healthcare providers. What Lori and Brian offer in this podcast is an authentic, personal familiarity with the pain of loss and a straightforward approach to recovery that has proven transformative in the lives of thousands of grievers. As proud sponsors of the Grief Recovery Method programs, Martin Brothers Funeral Chapels in Lethbridge, Alberta are pleased to partner with Brian and Lori to bring you this podcast. We hope our listeners will discover genuine, practical help and encouragement. Hi again, Lori, and welcome to our listeners. This is our third full episode of The Heart of Grief. We've worked through a lot of the birth pains of getting started with podcasting, and now we're on to our growing pains, I guess. There's a lot to learn, and as with our grief recovery program work, we are still learning. Yes, there sure has been a bunch of learning. So as you mentioned, this is our third full episode. We've been talking about some of the common myths of grief. We refer to them as the top six most unhelpful ideas about dealing with loss. So far, we've talked about the message, don't feel bad, normally accompanied by some seemingly good reasons such as, don't feel bad, they're not suffering any longer. Next, we talked about the message, grieve alone, and the tendencies for us to choose isolation following a loss. We discussed how the COVID-19 pandemic has added to this problem. There's been some lifting of restrictions in a lot of places, and at the same time, some places have seen worrying increases in numbers of cases. The summer of 2020 sure looks different than we could have ever imagined. But we know that with or without this pandemic, self-isolation is a common and often unhelpful action taken by many grievers. Yes, and I think it's important before we move to discussing the next common myth to review a couple of facts. First, we tend strongly to do these things primarily because we learned from others through listening and observing as we grew up. And secondly, as these ideas are simply passed down and implemented unquestioned, they very often get applied in unhelpful ways. The people we learned from likely had no intention of giving us bad or unhelpful information. They simply learned, applied, and passed them on in the same manner that was modeled for them. And we will do the same if we don't find a better approach. And this is why we're here, to offer and suggest another way for our listeners to consider and try. Which leads us to our discussion of most unhelpful response number three, replace the loss. I'm just going to quote here from our program notes for this podcast. We are going to examine the common tendency to avoid dealing directly with the very difficult emotions of loss by redirecting our attention to substitute things, people, or activities. So let me explain replace the loss with a personal example. When I was 13, I had my first boyfriend, which meant sitting together in the lunchroom at lunchtime. I mean, this was big stuff. After six amazing weeks, he decided he would rather have lunch with Josie instead of me. I was heartbroken. My well-meaning friends immediately started suggesting other boys we went to school with. 
What about Mike or Ken? But I didn't want Mike or Ken. I wanted Murray back. When I got home from school that day and told my mom, she gave me a big hug, telling me not to feel bad, and then said, You always liked Colin. Why don't you phone him? A bit later, she also brought a plate of freshly baked cookies to my room. So, Lori, do you remember how you felt about that at the time? And when did you become aware that this really wasn't a helpful approach? Oh, it hurt. My heart was broken, and I felt like the only thing people wanted to do was push me to find another boyfriend right after. Not even a week or a month later, but right after. I was sad and wanted to be allowed to feel sad for just a bit. I also learned that cookies are a great distraction for a broken heart, for a little while anyways. I tried to listen to their suggestions and tried to make it look like I was doing what they suggested. I heard countless versions of you must get back on the horse after you fall off, but my heart needed to grieve the breakup. How about you, Brian? How were you introduced to this idea? Well, first, let me thank you, Lori, for sharing about Murray. One of the ways that we teach grief recovery principles is through sharing our own personal stories. And that one clearly created a lot of hurt and a whole bunch of unhelpful advice for you. So thank you. A lot of the learning I received came without words. A pet would disappear somehow. I'd notice, of course, but there would be no conversation about it. And soon another would show up again without explanation. It was like a seamless transition. I remember some verbal circumstances as well. Like when moving to another town, I'd, I'd be told something like, you'll make new friends. And it's not so much about specific moments I remember as much as just picking these ideas up as a regular part of life. Part of the learning we all receive in this regard seems to include replace the loss combined with don't feel bad. So don't feel bad. You'll get another job. Don't feel bad. And in your case with Murray, you'll find another boyfriend or a girlfriend soon enough. A rather humorous example I remember is of a friend who named their newly acquired dog Substitute. Something had happened to the previous pet and this dog was provided as a replacement. So at least they were using honest language. The dog became Sub, or Subby for short. I'm sure the kids enjoyed Sub, but I'm fairly sure they didn't have a complete opportunity to say goodbye to the previous pet. When that happens, it leaves us with some unfinished emotions that tend to accumulate and weigh us down over time. Often we lose a conscious awareness of them, but you can be certain they're still there. We think it's important to explain why we say these aren't helpful. So what is the problem with this? It is reassuring to be encouraged with hope for that new job or new friend or new pet. Yes, it can be reassuring. However, it doesn't bring any comfort to a disappointed or aching heart. What we're dealing with here is one of the common important themes in healthy grieving, fact versus feeling. It may be a fact that another job is right around the corner or a new best friend. And those are positive things, absolutely. And we don't wish to negate that. But what is not positive is the notion that the good and promising potential of those things somehow erases the pain of the losses that were incurred. Those encouraging facts, on the one hand, are not related in any helpful way 
to the hard emotions on the other. While they may cover them superficially, there's no lasting benefit. What that message does, unintentionally of course, is to dismiss or diminish the importance of the person or thing that was lost. Every relationship is unique and can't simply be replaced. Unfortunately, this is a message that people receive even following the death of a loved one. It can be devastating for parents, for example, to be told not to feel bad after the death of a baby because they are able to have other children. Replace the loss fails to address the unique relationship that couple had with the child who died. It fails to address the significance of the person or thing or the particulars of the loss, all the changes and endings and associated emotional pain. Lori, as you know, I, I like to use mathematical metaphors sometimes to explain these things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you really love it, don't you? Oh, yes. And anyway, I try with the math. Maybe this one from the insurance world will help. When there's been a hailstorm or theft or fire or kind of a flood, which you had recently, we want the insurance company to replace the loss. And if it's a car or a roof or a shed, the actual physical replacement is what we want, and that's good. Of course, if there's something of a very personal nature involved, pictures, unique items of family heritage, for example, they can't be simply replaced. Those are a very different kind of loss. And in the bigger picture, when there has been significant emotional loss, replacement, like an insurance payout, fails to address the real need. It's purely physical, objective, and doesn't address the grief. The grief needs to be addressed. The grief deserves to be addressed. And that leads to our something to think about for this episode. In some of the advanced grief recovery training that you and I have been receiving recently, I heard the following quote, Every loss should be honored with grief. Maybe you remember who is being quoted. I don't, but I like the saying. I'm going to take just a little bit of liberty with it and state it here as our something to think about. Every loss deserves to be honored with grieving. That's how we work through all the rough stuff in our lives of loss, is by grieving. In a lot of ways, we need to relearn how to grieve. That's what this program is about. And of course, we're not going to cover it all today by any means. But Lori, what is one thing our listeners can do? What is our something to do for this episode? Well, I've got a couple of related to-dos this time, but first I've got a something not to do. Don't look for a replacement, no matter how good a thing it is in itself to become a substitute for your loss. That's a mistake on more than one level. It fails to recognize the uniqueness of every relationship and it risks establishing some unhelpful expectations of the new thing or person. They are not the person or job or pet that was lost. Our success in the new relationship depends on keeping that distinction clear. Maybe we'll speak more about that in another episode. Then, honor your loss through healthy grieving. Now, that's an extremely broad general idea. We can't outline all that means in a podcast, so here are two specifics. Name one positive thing about your lost person or other loss, something that made them unique to you, then tell someone else. 
Be sure to include naming your honest feelings about that loss. And remember, it's okay to have sad or disappointed feelings. Do some follow-up on this topic by going to the attached link to the Grief Recovery Institute blog. You'll find the link in our printed episode notes on the podcast service site you're listening with. You'll also be able to view a short video of John James, the founder of the Grief Recovery Institute, speaking on this topic. And reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to explain how you can learn more about the grief recovery process and how to access our programs. Thanks, Lori. Great suggestions. We really do want to hear from our listeners. And we'd like to have occasional episodes, actually, based on listener comments and questions. Now, that about does it for this episode of The Heart of Grief. Next time, we'll be talking about what is perhaps the most commonly heard of the unhelpful ideas top six list. Just give it time. We hope you'll listen in. Please take care and we'll talk to you next time. As mentioned, we love to receive comments and questions from our listeners. We invite emails to feedback at theheartofgrief.com. If you'd like to send us paper mail, it can go to the Heart of Grief Care of 610 4th Street South, Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, T1J4P3. And of course, you can subscribe through your podcast service provider.